Girlfriends, episode number 124, Live a Simple Life with Rachel Balducci. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, I'm sharing a fun conversation I had recently with my good friend, Rachel Balducci, all about a topic near to every woman's heart, simplicity. How can we live a more simple life? Let's find out. Time to get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Glad you're here. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm always glad when we can connect in this way. So meaningful to me, the fact that we can, across the miles and digitally and and audibly connect about the things that really matter to us. And this week, our topic is really an important one. It's about living a simpler life. I had a great conversation with my friend, Rachel Balducci, whom I've known for many years. But I was feeling like I really need to talk about this. I, I am feeling the pinch this spring season, like a little bit. I'm functioning on overwhelm. And I know there are things I need to cut out, things I could cut out things I could do to streamline my life, live more simply in multiple ways. And so I think it's an important topic. And maybe you're feeling that way. I'm certainly feeling it because of, well, spring sports. Okay, you you might be tired of hearing me talk about baseball season and that it's kicking my butt, but it is. And then there's the, you know, my working from home, which always is going on. And usually I can make it fit into my life very well. But when I've got the pinch at the end of the day with uh, sports season and baseball just takes a ton of time, like basketball and cross country and track and tennis and a few other sports that my kids participate in just aren't quite as long. I guess these baseball games go on real long. And then when I've got one kid at one field and another kid at another field, and they don't quite match up for, you know, driving times, it's figuring out the driving times. And anyway, I'm finding that the afternoon runaround begins earlier than it does for other sports, like 4 p.m. ish. And then or some actually today I'm driving Rafe at at 2.30. So um, he has to catch a bus because he's on a school team this year. But anyway, that seems to be creeping into my day earlier and earlier. So then to make up for that, I've been getting up earlier so I can start my work day earlier and still get my hours in. And then I'm feeling that because after a long baseball coming home and getting around to dinner, by the time all the routines are done, I'm getting to bed, you know, maybe even a little later than usual. So I found myself the other night, it was like not even 8 p.m. and I was falling asleep and I thought, this is not my normal. <laughs> this is not good. And yet I do know they call it baseball season because it is a season. And uh, by the time school is done, things will be in a different kind of routine. How are you doing with planning for summer? Last year, we did a whole podcast on uh, summer routines and the importance of putting a plan in place for summer. And I think maybe we'll revisit that, but I'd love to have your input first. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Tell me all the ways that you're coping with a busy spring schedule with confirmations and first communions and graduations and all the awesome stuff that happens that still takes a lot of our time and energy. Well, hopefully... It's going to help you to listen to my conversation with Rachel Balducci. She's a mom of many and kind of a veteran of busyness and balance. And uh, she has all those same pressures that we all do, except she really has over the years developed a 
philosophy of approaching all different facets of life with a sense of simplicity. And she's got a new book coming out on that very topic in the fall. So that's something that's been on her heart and mind a lot. I think you're going to really appreciate all that she has to share. Take a listen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Girlfriends. I'm thrilled that you're here today and even more thrilled that my good friend Rachel Balducci is joining us. Rachel Balducci is a newspaper columnist, author of How Do You Tuck In a Superhero, co-host of The Gist, a women's weekly talk show on Catholic TV, and most importantly, a wife and mom to five sons and one beautiful daughter. Welcome, Rachel. I'm thrilled that you're here. Thanks, Danielle. So great to be chatting with you this morning. Always great. You know, um, for those of you who don't know, Rachel and I work together on The Gist, which is a ton of fun. We have one crazy week in Boston every year where we record a bunch of episodes <laughs> and it's so fun. But beyond that, Rachel and I go way back. I don't even want to count the years. Has it been like 16 years or something? I um well however well, old Rafe is okay so 13 yeah right 13 I, I was but pregnant still with Rafe. Sounds insane I yeah know. and I mean I love the story of that I you know I was blogging and at that point I, w I didn't have a feel for maybe all the different blogs well there weren't tons back then no, were there there were just a few and you and I were among them yeah and I get this email from this woman named Danielle Bean and oh my gosh she was so you were so just telling me encouraging me and telling me how much you loved what I was writing and, you know, and then I sort of am like, oh, let me just click and see who this nice woman is. Click through Danielle Bean, author of several books and about to have her at that point was at your seventh. Baby. Yeah. Yeah. And you ended up having him like the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really and that's where our friendship started. Oh, and um, yeah, it was so fun. So awesome. Awesome. Well, I love that we have that history together and we've seen a lot. And um, one of the topics that um, you are sort of seen as an expert at just because of your uh, laundry folding prowess um, <laughs> is kind of simplicity, organization, those things that a lot of us women struggle with. So that's what I want us to talk about here today. And you do have a book coming out that's related to this topic, correct? I do. In the fall, I'm going to have a book come out with our Sunday visitor and it's all about simplicity. And it's not just simplicity, um, of the home, like this idea of like getting rid of stuff or even minimalism, which is also another concept that kind of ties in with that. And mm -hmm. those are important things, but really this is something I think about a lot because as women, as people, as people who are in love with Jesus, we're called and asked to do a lot. We, you know, we spin a lot of different plates. We juggle a lot of different balls. And I'm always thinking about how can I do this the best? That doesn't mean being the best at everything, but how can I do what God has asked me to do in a, in a way that is peaceful for my family? Because I do motherhood and being a wife is my primary vocation, but that doesn't mean it's the only thing God is asking of me. And so, you know, when I get asked to do other things, we all know, um, there's a cost to that. Mm -hmm. And I'm always trying to figure out ways to say yes, but without it costing <laughs> peace in my home or my sanity, you know, or mm -hmm. I never want to get to the point where I'm saying yes to so many things that it's bringing chaos. And I think that God really has given us the tools to, um, to figure out how to streamline all the different areas of our life. And that the thing I love about the concept of simplicity is that looks different for different people. There's mm -hmm. no one size fit 
fits all. Um, and so it's just, you can tell it's a topic I really get excited about talking about and thinking about because, you know, at the end of the day, we all just want peace. Um, and we want the joy of doing, you know, what God wants us to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And I love that you said that it looks different for everybody because this is one of the temptations, right? Where we may be perfectly at peace and, and feeling pretty well balanced in what we're doing, what we're taking on, what we're not taking on. And then you look over your shoulder and you see someone who's doing something completely different and seems blissful in the midst of it all. And you think, oh, maybe that's what I should be doing. Like what's, yeah. what's wrong with me? And what a temptation that is. What a distraction that is. Yeah. And uh, you've always, uh, you know, to me, the bottom line theme of your, you know, ministry uh, as a, you know, encouraging women has always been do what works best for your family. And I love that. That brings so much freedom because I, you know, exactly what you're saying. And I think especially when I was a younger mom with little kids and trying to figure out, you know, what is the tone of my family, the tone of our family life going to be. And it was very tempting to compare and see what other people did, how they ran their household, you know, just, and like for me having, I had a lot of little boys real close right off the bat and what motherhood looked like for me was so different. So, so I learned kind of early on through very painful lessons of comparison and feeling really down on myself that even motherhood, you know, looks different based on the gender of your kids, how many you have, how close in age, and then your own personality and, right. um, you know, all of those things. So yeah, that the first step in all of this to me is just the freedom in saying, I get to decide, but at the heart of that decision is what is God asking of me? And then having a conversation with your spouse, you know, right. what is, what is our family going to look like? What is our home going to feel like? And I love that. Like I have one of my very best friends. We have this conversation a lot. Um, she has figured out exactly the, the sweet spot for her in the energy she wants to put into the cleanliness and the tidiness of her home mm-hmm. and what she's willing to live with. And I totally love that. Like she's, you know, no apologies. <laughs> she's like, you know, I'm okay with a bunch. She has six boys. I'm okay with Legos being under the couch. It just doesn't bother me. And then, you know, when it's time they do a big clean of the house and that's right. so great. Like nobody needs to feel like they have to have a standard because that's the standard somebody else has, which is yeah. so, so much a, freedom in that. Such a great point. And maybe one of the most important people to not be comparing yourself to is your own mom. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny to me. Like it took me decades to figure out like, I don't need to do this just because this was important to my mom. But there, you know, you have these kind of assumptions built in and there's nothing wrong with doing it. And it's wonderful that my mom did it, but it doesn't work for me or I don't value it in the same way that she did. Like coming to terms with that really is something that I think a lot of us struggle with. That was a huge moment for me too, Danielle. Uh, and I'll, I remember exactly what it was about for me. And it was chore charts, as mm-hmm. funny as it sounds. <laughs> but like for years, I struggled with my ideal, which was what my mom was able to do and had the energy and the grace and the real desire to have these charts and, you know, a chart for meals, a chart for snacks. And I was like, that's the standard that, you know, I'm not even that I want to have that I'm supposed to have, (laughs) you know, in the same way, like you bring your family to mass on Sunday, you tuck people in and brush your teeth at night. You have a chore chart posted (laughs) on the and it did not bring me any peace because I just had all these little boys and I knew deep down the best way for me is their mom and them as my kids 
the, I had figured out the best way for us to operate. But even in the midst of figuring that out, I always felt this overriding sense of stress, like, but it doesn't count because I don't have a chore chart. <laughs> um, and so, you know, to, yeah, to have that moment one day where it kind of occurred to me, that's what my mom did. And right. that works for her. Um, and that is not going to work for the family Balducci. And to kind of <laughs> let that go was like, oh my gosh, I'm allowed to say that doesn't work for me. It was right. so great. I love that. And, and I've had a similar revelation, um, with other things beyond chore charts, but similar, you know, silliness, but you're putting this pressure on yourself. And even if you talk to your own mom about it, she'd be like, mm, you know, whatever, you don't need to do that. You know, it's like nobody put that burden on you, but yourself. Isn't it? the truth and how many other areas in our life do we kind of operate under that? And, you know, it's not coming from a bad place. It's like, we want to be good moms and good right. wives. And, you know, and so it's like, we look around to what we know and what our experience was. And it kind of does take some time to say, that's just not how it's going to be for us. Even though, you know, that's how I was raised and it worked very well from where I came from, but it's just not working. And, you know, you also have to keep in mind, you married somebody, you know, we all marry somebody who comes from a totally different background and they're mm -hmm. bringing their side of things too. And, you right. know, kind of figuring things out with the two of you together is that's part of the adventure. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the early, early marriage conflict, yes. <laughs> yes. figuring out all those unspoken assumptions about totally <laughs> who's going to do what and in what way. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, so, so we're talking about housework and other things. Um, but what about the, the woman who's not at peace with regard to her housework and feeling like she's drowning in it and not being at peace with the clutter or not getting around to those jobs in the house that worry her or, you know, wear on her? Because we all have seasons in our life like that where life's overwhelming and the, the housework just isn't getting done. But maybe you could speak a little bit to how to handle times like that when you're not feeling at peace about where you're at. Yes, absolutely. I, I do think that it's important for people to remember too seasons, which you and I, we like to use that word. We love we that word. Seasons, but it really <laughs> is true. And what I'm able to do now as a mom with bigger kids, you know, our youngest, our daughter um, just turned eight. So it's a totally different season. Having said that, I've got a, a whole room right now. A friend just passed down all her American Girl doll stuff. And our den is just like filled with that stuff. And I'm, you know, it's just all <laughs> over the place in there. It's fabulous. But always be honest with yourself about where you're at. You know, if you have a lot of little kids, you're not going to going to have a home that doesn't have plastic toys somewhere in the house. Like, mm -hmm. you know, be honest with yourself with where you are is to me the first step in peace. Like, um, you know, but from there, really think about what your standard is. What do you want your house to look like? If you, you know, if you really do want it to be a certain kind of tidy, you know, where things are out of sight or things are in sight, but maybe not in the center of everything, you know, to kind of identify the problem is always the first step. And then mm -hmm. to go from there, you know, our first home was tiny. It was one of those like open floor plans, but a very small one where there was room for like a dining room table, a couch, the kitchen, and it was all in kind of this big open ish, big ish open place. And so I kind of knew like I had to limit how many toys I had in there. I didn't have some giant basement you know, I wasn't, mm -hmm. I, I really just didn't feel free to bring every single item into the home. And I think that that's important too, is like, 
if you really want to not feel overwhelmed by stuff, you have to be willing to say no to stuff, you know, mm-hmm. say no to stuff, um, to have a, a balance. In it. And I know it can be a challenge. You know, I've got friends whose uh, kids have grandparents that want to just load them down with plastic trinkets every major holiday. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that that can be a problem, but, um, you know, get to be good friends with the people at Goodwill and Catholic social services, you mm-hmm. know, and there's a whole mentality with that too, of like, getting rid of things, training your kids to be generous with the less fortunate, you know, there's a way of approaching that. And then to me, the big key is like having less stuff and having, you know, a place for everything and everything in its place. Mm -hmm. And it's really that simple. Don't buy like a million containers. If it's going to be impossible for you to keep all of your stuff in those containers, right? I came across somebody somewhere who had figured out how to organize the Legos by colors. And I'm like, oh my you gosh. go, girl, that is incredible. I would never, <laughs> our Legos, and we have about 40 pounds of them are in a giant coffee table, um, like a drawer with wheels on it that mm-hmm. rolls under the coffee table, right in the front room, you know, Perfect. like, like, yeah, live in your space and be who you are with the family that you've got. You know, um, I don't have glass coffee tables, for instance, but it's like, there's a way you can have peace and beauty and make all that stuff fit into the different spaces. But mm-hmm. the, really the heart of it is, um, having a feel for the size of house you have, the space you have, and then making your stuff fit in there. Like, don't go buy a pod to stick in your driveway. Cause you have so much stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you a story real quick. Yeah. Uh, recently our son, um, at our school, there's always a big fundraiser. That's a yard sale. And Charlie, our son is about to graduate. And so his class had the yard sale a few weeks ago and a woman in our neighborhood and uh, who was 90 had recently died and her family had hired the senior class to come clean her apartment out and kind of take out and they, they could have whatever they wanted for the yard sale. I mean, that whole yard sale, not the whole thing, but a lot of it was this woman's stuff. Oh my gosh. And it was all lovely stuff, but it's that in the year before Elliot was in the same boat and it was another older person who had died. Family had donated all the stuff because the kids didn't want 90 years worth of collectibles right? as lovely as they were. And it kind of was like one woman, one of the other moms said to me, if I get nothing out of this experience, it's that I'm never buying another thing for the rest of my life. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with it. Like you've got to have stuff in your home, but don't operate under this assumption that like your kids are going to want all this stuff. You know, like how freeing is it to think you don't actually have to save every holy card, you know, in the church that you come across in the church narthex or, you know, and that was what was really sobering to me was boxes and boxes of beautiful things that were now just like, you know, we're sorting through for this yard sale. Right. So, you know, it's okay to, to get rid of stuff, let it go. Like it does not come with you. To, <laughs> you don't get to bring it with you. So oh my gosh, so funny, a great life lesson though. And one that I, I often get by watching those shows about hoarders. I mean, yeah. I, if I'm feeling bad about clutter in my house, the remedy is watching one of those shows. I'm like, I'm not doing so bad. I'm not, <laughs> I can walk through my living room anyway. Uh, <laughs> 
but no, really, but there's psychological issues between, you know, behind, you know, the fact that people hold on to stuff and we have all kinds of, you know, uh, psychology that makes us hold on to stuff. Like this is precious. You know, I bought this little trinket the day my daughter had her first day of kindergarten and that was a precious day or, you know, the, the child's like last pair of buckle shoes or whatever it is. Um, and maybe you could talk about that just a little bit. Cause I think that's a real struggle. I don't tend to have that. I, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just non-sentimental because I'd much <laughs> rather get rid of stuff and, uh, you know, regret having gotten rid of one thing than uh-huh. have all this stuff piled up and not even know what's in these boxes, you know? I know it's so true. And like you say, the sentimentality of it. And I think that that is a real emotional, spiritual issue. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an issue of trust. Like when I think about it, um, cause you know, the last couple of years have been, a bit of a challenge for me. You and I have discussed this cause you're in a similar boat. You know, I've got, now I've got two in college next year. I'll have three in college, one in high school, two in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have finally Danielle within the last couple of months gotten into this place where I am so excited about the future. I have spent the last year crying every opportunity I had because my little family, our little bubble was no longer a little bubble. And mm-hmm. I saw it as a real, as a death. Um, and that's an extreme word, but if you've gone through it, you know, I'm not crazy. Right? <laughs> really do. No, no. It's a real morning. It's a real it's loss. It's a morning of a season of a time when your family did everything together. You know, you, you know, there you were sitting in for better or for worse on display for everybody to see at mass, you know, mm-hmm. coming and going as this unit and little by little, your people start to get their own lives. Well, you've got a couple of years where you don't have much to show for that other than they're no longer doing stuff with you. But all of a sudden it has become the joy of watching somebody really thrive in their first year of college and the joy of watching somebody start to figure out what they want to do with themselves. And those are all wonderful, exciting things. And so for me, I recently had that turn where I kind of just had a day Like I just kept seeing it as the end, the end, the end of my pack of little Balducci boys. Right. You know, and then it was like, God just sort of just helped me get through that, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I just wasn't sad about it anymore. So getting back to the stuff though, we hold on to things because family is precious and our children are precious to us. And we want to remember these special times, but there's a way that the past can become a bit of an idol. And mm-hmm. I was doing that. I was clinging and that's, and you got to work through it. You can't. Sure. I mean, I, I would be surprised if anybody ever just said on to the next thing, you right? Know? I know. Um, <laughs> but that you, you can't get so focused on what had been in the beautiful times mm-hmm. that you're just holding on to so many things. Like there is something freeing. And I, and sometimes I have to do this Lord, like Lord, um, I'm going to throw these school papers away or this beautiful drawing. And I keep some stuff. I don't throw every single thing away, but Mm -hmm. it's like, help me hold on to these memories in my heart. Um, or the joy of this whole adventure too, you know? And then sometimes even, cause I am, I can be very sentimental and melancholy and I'll have memories and I'll get, you know, nostalgic and, and I'll think, you know what? I feel like heaven's just going to be all of those things, all of the beautiful things together, mm-hmm. that's what heaven's going to be. So I don't need to feel this stress to remember everything and to hold on to everything because it's there. It's like, right. it really is the woven cloth of, of our human experience. You know, that's yep. very, that's a very deep thing about like, I'm thinking very deep about the boxes of stuff though, but there's gotta be a way that we get to where we're like, 
I've got to learn to let some of this go, you know? Right. Right. I totally agree. Especially if you have multiple children, because these things add up and you know, you know what I remind myself because my mom raised us and you know, we were nine of us and she, she kind of struck a balance. She was super organized, but with regard to keeping things, she had a box for each of us where she'd put all of our like awards and certificates and that book we wrote in third grade and whatever. And she gave me that box, like about a year after I was married, she gave me my box, you know, and I spent one afternoon going through it and then I pitched it. Like, yeah, I just, it didn't mean anything to me. And I, I remind myself of that because am I keeping these things for me or am I telling myself, oh, they're going to want this one day and they're probably not, they're probably not. So keeping all of that in perspective, I think is really helpful. That's such a good point. It, it, it is. And you know, I have all these diaries that I, you know, I was a big journaler. I don't know if you were like as a girl mm-hmm. and even in college and it's kind of fun. Like I, I, it was in the attic recently and kind of pulled one out and started to read it. And it was really neat because I journaled my way through Paul and Mai's courtship. So it's nice. kind of neat to see that having said that I can't imagine my kids would want to read. Like, right. I know I'm not going to want to pour over my parents. <laughs> it's a little, journal. a little cringy, maybe <laughs> I, I was cringing and I had written it, you know, <laughs> that's so, how I yeah. feel about my early blog posts. I'm like, Oh my gosh, nobody read this. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, how about let's talk about influences, what you allow to influence you. We already talked a little bit about comparison, but like in what ways do you allow outside influences to, you know, kind of tailor what you think is important inside of your family life, inside of your spiritual life, your routine? For me, with regard to home life. It's, mm-hmm. it's walking into home goods. Like I cannot walk into home goods. I can go in there feeling perfectly great about everything going on in my life. And then I walk through there and I am just miserable because I, I have fantasized about 12 different kinds of lives I could be living in, you know, in the house with that kind of backyard where I would serve a pitcher of lemonade in this kind of a, you know, vessel. And it's like yeah. amazing to me that it a store has that power over me, but so much more so advertising or social media. Uh, Maybe you could talk about that, the power of outside influence. Yeah, I think that that's such a good point. And I think it's so important to be aware of that. And different people can handle different things. Like we all have the person on social media that seems very, you know, each, it's not the same person for each of us, but mm-hmm. somebody who might be like just super celebrated and held up and like so inspiring. And for somebody else, that same person might really just make them feel bad about themselves yes. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's okay to unfollow certain accounts in social media. If you find that you're always sort of feeling less than, and, and even if it's your own wounds, making you feel that way, like, you know, we go through times where we're, we're feeling so good about everything in our life that nothing's getting us down. That's rare. But here and there we have those moments, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just like, life is so great. Usually when we come back from vacation, right. Right. It's like, life is so great. You know, I'm happy (laughs) for you. I am happy for you. And sometimes we just don't feel that way. Right. And that's, you know, that's a great time to kind of either step away or, you know, maybe not be looking so much at that. Um, and yeah, shopping can be a similar thing. Like sometimes I can go out and I can just really enjoy and feel inspired. And then certain stores you go into and it's like, everything in my house is disgusting. I need to burn it all (laughs) and start over. Um, and let me tell you, I, I wrote about this recently because this time last week, last Friday, um, 
it was my day to clean and I had put it off and the house was, I was like, oh my gosh, what are we, how are we even allowed to live in this place? You know? (laughs) And it was like one of those days where everybody was at school and nobody was here. And I really had like six hours and I don't normally take that much time. I've, you know, I've really gotten to where I can do it all in like two or three hours. Mm -hmm. And this was like the deep clean, sweeping the porches, windexing everything, you know, really scrubbing the sink. I loved my home after that, you know? And I think that that like, it's important to acknowledge influencers, but then also to realize like the way you get back on top of feeling bad about yourself, feeling bad about your home is taking care of the things you already have and not Mm -hmm. thinking it's all about wishing you were something else or somewhere else, but it's like gratitude, gratitude at the heart of it. You know, it really helps. And then really being honest with what you want to surround yourself with, with the friends you want to talk to, you know, leave every soul, the braver and happier for having met you. That's a quote I came across years ago. And I love that. And I think we want to be that for other people, but we also are allowed to say, and that's who I want to expose myself, you know, like that's who I want to be around. Kind of set those kinds of limits. I think that's so important. And so speaking of getting your house in order, let's just talk a little bit before we run out of time. I want to talk about hospitality because this is such a big thing for so many. And you mentioned it among the different things in, in different areas of your life in which you can practice simplicity. We talked on the podcast before about the idea of scruffy hospitality, meaning be okay with the state your house is in. Not like you, you know, invite people into your slobbiness, but don't feel like you have to make your house into this pristine museum before you invite anybody over. Cause that's sort of the opposite mentality of true hospitality. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree with that. I think that, um, so, I mean, I feel the same way, you know, I'm not worthy to have you know, people in my home and we're we're so quick to see the flaws of our own space. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I can tell you the times I'm the oldest of eight children growing up. We were not invited to tons of places for dinner, probably because we were such a big family. Right. But the times that we were invited, I just remember the joy of that. I can't even tell you what the people's home looked like. You know, Mm -hmm. I do think it's important to make an effort when people are coming over, you know? Yeah. Like you, you know, having said that I've been in people's homes plenty of times where it's a mess and I'm there to have fun and enjoy time with my family. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I do think that we're, we can be very quick to just kind of, it's easier to not have someone over because my dining room's not big enough. I'm worried about how I cook, you know? And then for me, practically the way to overcome those kind of things, like some things you can't change. Um, you know, like I just have this thing about my dining room. It's not some huge, vast dining room. I've made peace with it because mm-hmm. I've found that when you entertain, most people end up standing around in the kitchen anyway. That's so true. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's true phenomenon, you know, and then in terms of me feeling sort of not overly confident with my cooking skills, I have one meal that I know I can do really well and I make it every time we have people over, Nice, you know? Yeah. And so then that's one less variable in the equation, you know, Mm -hmm. but I do think of hospitality as like a theology of the body. It's the gift of self. It is opening ourselves up to other people. And really that's how people learn to experience love, to, to know they are loved. And that kind of love is what draws people closer to Jesus. And so I know that it's like, what, whoa, I didn't know inviting people over to dinner was that spiritual. And it really is like, we really do have a call. Um, and, and not like every night of the week, right. but this idea of being generous with our time and with ourselves, like the gift of self with other people and not just 
you know, living in our own little bubble because it's easier. Because it is easier to live in our own bubble. (laughs) It is. It is. I know. And I've gone through, you know, periods of life where we're we're having a lot of people over, whatever, it's a busy time or whatever. And at the end of that, I do feel like, okay, now we need to just huddle and and (laughs) we need to regroup. And I think it's okay. Like those are different phases, but make sure you don't get stuck in any one of them, I think is, is probably key there. And, um, I, I know this is another area where spouses will probably have different temperaments and different expectations. And I know my husband has really pushed me in the direction of inviting people over and making it work, you know, um, just like you, you know, you have all these insecurities about things, but he's just like, let's have everybody over for Thanksgiving. I'm like, where are we going to put them? And we have had events where I feel super crowded. And I just feel like this is a joyful, welcoming kind of atmosphere, though, because we're like, come on in, bring your big family, your baby's running around, you know, and it just there really is a sense of gift of presence to one another inside of that, even though it's not perfection. Yeah. And really, that lack of perfection makes people feel at home because very few people are actually perfect. And I have been in homes that are perfect and Mm -hmm. it's lovely. I mean, it's very fun to see, but it doesn't set the experience apart in any kind of superior way. Like, well, that meal was much better because that home is perfect. You know, it's like, no, it's like you're there for the people, you know, and, um, you know, all the rest is just extra stuff that, you know, you might be really good at the decorating part of things or really good at the food part. But at the, in the end, it's just it's the fellowship that is what matters and the willingness to do it. But like you say, like, I feel that way. Isabel almost never gets a birthday party except with like Paul and me and her brothers. And they, you know, I make sure each brother brings her a gift. But it's because it's always right after Easter. And I <laughs> will have just entertained our whole big clan of people. And I'm like, we're done. I can't yes. do anything else. And I'm done being around people. Yeah. I completely agree. And it makes you appreciate it though. It makes you appreciate your family unit and like, Oh, yeah. now we can relax a little bit and um, feel a little bit more, you know, at ease and comfortable in our own space. Um, you, you need both of those things. I think they balance each other out. Yes, for sure. Well, Rachel, maybe you can give a shout out about um, your Twitter handle and your Instagram because, okay, girl, we got to talk about this microphone. Okay. <laughs> You guys, if you don't follow Rachel on Instagram, you got to check her out in her Instagram story. She's at Rachel Balducci. I'll have it linked up in the show notes. Can you tell me what's going on with this microphone? I'm like watching. I'm like, this this woman needs an intervention, but at the same time, hilariously fun and joyful. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I'm loving it so much. So it's just crazy that yard sale I was telling you about. My son, Charlie, brings this microphone home and it was sitting on the counter for days. And one night I just picked it up and I started singing and I got like the karaoke bug, you know, that just, (laughs) and then I just started getting a little delirious. Like how great would it be to walk around in life with a mic and like everywhere you go, the mic's like, you know, could you help me get something off the top shelf here at the grocery store, please, sir? You know, clean up an aisle three. And then I would start just randomly like singing to the boys. And little by little, it just became this hilarious thing. So, yeah, on Instagram, I'm Rachel Balducci. And I have started actually, it's so fun, little um, a little show called RSBIRL, which stands for in real life, RSB are my initials. But I really like last week I interviewed my brother in law, who's a pediatric dentist. And I think it's great for me because it's 
it's fulfilling my, I've always wanted to be the lead singer in a band, but don't have the talent, but this is my journalistic background. I have a master's in journalism. So I love talking to people and getting information. So little (laughs) by little, I'm kind of like branching out and doing some journalistic stuff too. It's just really, it's a fun outlet, but it's a great way to entertain. Yesterday we talked about how to keep bathrooms clean and free of pee smell when you have little boys. I love that. I I love that one. A lot of feedback. People want to hear the hard hitting information. (laughs) This is the important stuff. (laughs) This is what we actually want to know. This is what we care about. Yeah. This is what it comes down to. I want my bathroom to smell nice. How do I do it? Yes. (laughs) Well, if you want to learn more about that, you could follow Rachel at Rachel Balducci on Twitter and Instagram. Check out her website, testosterhome.net. We'll have all of that linked up in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's been so fun talking with you. Thanks for having me, Danielle. Keep up the great work. And there you have it. I hope Rachel's thoughts on simplicity have helped you kind of push back the overwhelm a little bit or begin to take that first step toward that. I always love the opportunity to talk with Rachel, whether just personally with a shared phone call or in a public way, like sharing her expertise on the podcast. I'm so happy to bring her to you. So again, check out the show notes for all the links to Rachel. If you're not already following her on social media, definitely a must follow. And I want to take a moment to thank Ascension for partnering with me to bring you the Girlfriends podcast week after week at ascensionpress.com. You can find out more about all of the different faith formation resources that are available from Ascension Press. They really are a leader in Catholic faith formation with tools and resources that you can use at the parish level, at the personal level, with teens, with your women's group, with married couples. Go and check out everything that's available. And there's lots of free stuff too, podcasts and video content that you want to check out at Ascension ascensionpress.com. And I want to remind you that I'm going to be presenting my You're Worth It retreat on June 23rd, which is a Saturday in Concord, New Hampshire at Christ the King Parish. I'm really excited and looking forward to bringing the retreat there to the ladies that day. So if you're anywhere in the New Hampshire area, come on out. I'd love to meet you. I always love to hear your stories and connect with people who listen to the podcast. So looking forward to a great day with the women at Christ the King Parish in Concord, New Hampshire. If you're interested in registration details, go to the show notes for this episode. I'll have it linked up there for you. And speaking of that upcoming event, um, my Your Worth It retreat in Concord, New Hampshire, I got an email today from the lady I've been talking to who's the organizer behind it. I just wanted to share this little note she sent me. So Michelle says, Dear Danielle, last night I was angrily washing the dishes. I work too. Why am I the only one doing the dishes? Oh, those sound like familiar thoughts. I don't always feel that way, but last night I was grumpy. So I popped in my earbuds and turned on the episode where you talk about faking it till you make it. A lot of it spoke to me, but I have had an especially hard time exercising in this season of life. Two jobs, three kids, a nine month old that still doesn't sleep. I don't have the time or the energy but you inspired me. So this morning, after walking my older kids to the bus, instead of coming straight home, I kept on walking and took a big loop around and walked almost a mile. It's nothing extravagant, but it's a start. I'm going to fake my way through these short walks until I'm back in the groove. Thank you for the inspiration. Well, thank you, Michelle. Um, I, 
I really am encouraged by your note because it really gets right to the heart of exactly what I was talking about. Taking that first little step, forcing yourself, putting that smile on your face and pretending you are all about this exercise thing. And it really does get easier and it becomes more of a habit. So great job. Kudos to you. I know you say it's nothing extravagant, but it's a huge deal. Sometimes that first step in the right direction is the hardest one to take and you did it. So I'm so en encouraged by your note. So thank you so much for sharing that little bit of success because you know what? It's those small successes that really do add up. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the, the phrase small success because way back in my faith and family days, those of you who go back to faith and family live with me, we had a weekly feature and I used to publish it on Thursdays called small success Thursdays. And I, I would share three little things that weren't going to get me any applause, but positive things that I did. It might be like, I finally bleached out that sink that was gross and I couldn't get around to it. Or, um, you know, I made that phone call to my son's teacher that I was putting off or whatever it is. And just make those that list and then encourage other women to share their small successes. Because you know what? They really are a big deal. Those things add up. And those are the things that kind of build up if we're not attending to them and kind of overwhelm us and feel like we're victims of our own life. So good for you, Michelle, in your small success. If you have some small successes you want to share with me, I'm always here to listen and share it. And we can give you a great big round of applause here at Girlfriends because we know they are actually important. Those little things that nobody's going to applaud you for, but it takes so much so much effort sometimes just to do that one little thing and get something started. So congratulations, Michelle. And if anybody else wants to share theirs, give me a shout. You can connect with me at danielle at daniellebean.com or send me a voicemail or connect on social media. I want to know about your small successes too. Okay, next up, I got a email message from listener Sarah. Sarah says, Dear Danielle, I love your podcast. Thank you for the work that you put into it. Do you have any books or other resources to recommend that I use to give my oldest child the talk? We have three kids. The oldest is eight, and she's just getting to the point where I feel like more information about sexuality will be helpful to her. She's asking some questions, and I want to be sure I am ready with the answers. Any advice or resources you can offer would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, Sarah. Well, Sarah, I get this question a lot because you know what? This is a tough thing. This is something we struggle with. And it's hard. This is one of the most challenging things that it has been for me as a parent, and especially as a young parent with no experience in talking to my kids about sex. I, I really felt the pressure too when my family life was right about where you guys are at right now. And the short answer is I don't have resources to recommend. There are a million of them out there and you might find one that you like. I have looked at a lot of different ones, books and, you know, podcasts and DVDs and whatever. And the thing is, I just, I, I never felt like they were me the way I wanted to talk to my kids about this important topic. And some of them felt like cheesy. Some of them felt too biological. Some of them just felt too, you know, just heavy handed religiosity in them. Um, and I just never found the one that's the perfect resource for me. And, and I understand the wanting a resource because there was nothing I wanted to do more with my first child in having to have the talk than to just, you know, hand her a book and be like, tell me if you have any questions, you know, because this is uncomfortable for many of us. And, uh, you know, I've always said, like, I have no problem talking about uh, sexuality with other people's kids. But when it comes to my own all of a sudden you have this deep self-consciousness or something. I was incredibly nervous to talk about this with my kids. 
Uh, but we know it's important and we can't avoid it, right? So I would encourage you to, you know, look at the different resources out there. You might find one. And I know I've heard from people that have found different books and stuff that they really find helpful. Um, but, but, you know, I would encourage you, first of all, to make sure you're fully informed and, and some some basics like, you know, Theology of the Body for Beginners might be a good place to start so that you're approaching this conversation in the right way with your children. And I would just... I would use your own words. I think there's no replacing your own words because you know your child intimately and deeply. You know their temperament, their personality. You know what they're likely to be anxious about, what kinds of questions they might have. And so you know them so much better than an author of some book will know them and know the way to speak to their hearts. So I find that there's really no replacement for parents talking to their kids in their own words, from their own hearts. And now you can for sure supplement with all kinds of resources. Um, you can for sure study up on your own ahead of time. So you feel like you're giving them some good information, solid information that's backed up. Um, but I really do find, at least in my own experience, that there's no replacement for just me and my husband talking to our kids in our own words, sometimes together, but sometimes that creates a really awkward dynamic. And so oftentimes it ends up being, um, you know, one-on-one and, Again, talking about the talk, I know we talk about the talk, and for some of us, that is what we got as kids. Um, if you were fortunate enough to have parents who talked to you about sex at all, it was like one talk, and that was it. But I want to encourage you not to think about the talk. I mean, there might be one initial talk that you have the most difficulty getting through or um, that you want to be the most prepared for, but I want to encourage you to think about this as many, many many, hopefully many conversations over the course of your child's lifetime about this important topic. So there's no substitute for your own words, but make sure you're giving a lot of your own words to your kids. It's really, it's been in my experience, that's the best way to approach these topics with kids is to begin a conversation. And maybe the initial conversation doesn't have to cover everything because that can be overwhelming, especially for some kids who maybe they just asked one innocent question. They didn't want to know anything more. <laughs> you know, I've had kids that ask like, um, how does the baby exactly get out of mom's body? You know, when I was pregnant and, and I thought, oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta explain all of human sexuality and reproductive health to these kids. But really with some of them, I could answer simply, you know, God made the woman's body so that it opens up in a special way so that it, it happens very naturally. And a woman's body is made to do that. And they were like, oh, cool. And then they're off to play, you know, whereas um, <laughs> previously I might have thought this is it. I have to be prepared. I have to give them all the answers. So I would really encourage you to start. You said your daughter is asking some questions. Start with the question she is asking and give her age appropriate information that is true without euphemisms or, you know, flowery metaphors or anything. Just really straight facts in your own words. I think there's really no replacement for that. And then as your kids get older, I know this is a topic that just comes up time and again. And um, one thing that I really want to encourage you and anybody else listening to do is to try to cultivate in your child's life other people, grownups, who share your faith, who they might be able to turn to if they have difficult questions, because it's a fact. Think about when you were an adolescent, an awkward adolescent, your parents 
probably were the last people in the world you wanted to talk to about these tricky topics and having another adult a trusted adult inside of your child's life who they can go to with these questions is invaluable so it might be someone like um, someone who works with your parish's youth group could be a pastor um, it could be an aunt or an uncle or a coach or you know somebody that you really know and that you share values with because oftentimes that can be a great kind of go-to for your kids. We have some people like that in our kids' lives, and I'm so grateful for it. And I, I pray for my children who are who are still young that they will always have that resource in their lives because we parents can't be everything. And for sure, we can provide them with the basics, with the information, and make sure that our ongoing conversations are welcoming future questions and future conversations. But the fact remains that sometimes, regardless of our best efforts, our kids are not going to want to come to us. So those are my thoughts about it. I'm sure people listening have their own resources that they might like to recommend, their favorite go-tos. What did you use to educate yourself and educate your children about the important topic of human sexuality from a Catholic faith perspective? Share them with me, and I'll be glad to share them with the listeners here at Girlfriends. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Also, if you have feedback about today's episode or any other episode or input about what topics you'd like to see, or a question you'd like me to take up on a future episode, always happy to get your questions. So send them to me by email or connect with me on social media or connect with me on Voxer. The link to connect with me on Voxer is in every episode's show notes for girlfriends at ascensionpress.com. And uh, finally, if nothing else, just send me a voicemail. You know, I love the voicemails. You know, I love to add your voice to the different perspectives we share here at Girlfriends. And it's as simple as recording a voice memo on your phone and then sending it to me by email. I'd love to hear from you in that way. And that's all we have time for today. I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for all the ways you encourage and support me in producing this podcast every week. All the different ways you participate and share and review and subscribe really is encouraging to me to continue to produce this content for you. I'm doing this for you. I really want this podcast to serve you in your needs inside of family living. So let me know how I can do that and how I can continue to do that. But also, I just want to thank you for being here because that also is an encouragement to me. The fact that we have this community of listeners, that you're present, that you're here to listen to what I share every week really means a lot. You are an important part of this community of girlfriends. So thank you for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 